Hi, I'm Kristen Trafford-Weisel, Case Manager at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high-quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, Annalene is going to talk with us about moral injury and moral distress. Annalene, do you think you could start by explaining what burnout is, as some people listening may not be familiar with the term? Absolutely, Kristen. I agree this would be very helpful. COVID aside, I believe burnout is the most significant concern impacting dental professionals on a global scale. In many ways, it's a newish term for an age-old issue, the issue of stress, and I want to begin by saying that dentistry is a stressful business. Naturally, many occupations carry with them an amount of stress, and consequently, in May 2019, in their 11th revision of the International Classification of Diseases, the World Health Organization recognised burnout as an occupational phenomenon. So by this they mean we can only get burnt out from work, not other potential stresses in our lives. The effects of those stresses would, of course, be classified differently. The WHO is developing evidence-based guidelines on mental well-being in the workplace, and their definition of burnout signposts us to the types of things they'll be considering in this. Their definition is as follows. Burnout is a syndrome conceptualised as resulting from chronic workplace stress that's not been successfully managed. It's characterised by three dimensions. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism relating to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. Now, I feel that there are some key points to tease out here. Firstly, the acknowledgement that burnout flows from workplace stresses that have not been successfully managed. When we consider this in the context of our job, we need to acknowledge that regretfully many aspects of dentistry are stressful. So first of all, we have the teeth themselves. And let me take you to that moment when you're elevating a root-filled tooth and it's moving and it's all going well. And then it makes that noise, you know, the one, as the tooth fractures and you have to start again, possibly by an unplanned surgical approach. Or that moment when you're removing caries and you see a flash of red and you know that nothing good has just happened. But before we even consider the physical and mental stresses of working in a moving, wet environment, in some circumstances, agonising over a one millimetre chamfer with a taper of 5%, or finding that elusive fourth canal, or removing subgingival calculus that feels as if it has been glued on, let us consider the other major factor here, the patient. I consider myself to have some of the nicest patients in the land, but let's be honest, I too have patients who probably don't like me very much, and if I were in mortal peril, they would seriously consider whether they would want to help, or if one less dental practitioner in the world would be a good thing. Many patients don't like coming to the dental surgery. Many see our services as an overpriced commodity often purchased in times of stress, and many hold opinions coloured by difficult experiences in the past. Is it any wonder that levels of anxiety and depression are higher in dental practitioners than in members of the general public? So these stresses can and will arise over our day-to-day practice and naturally a key strategy would be to implement some processes to manage these stresses as they come. Annalene, you discuss some of these strategies in your burnout podcast, Using Your Third Space Wisely, which I know many practitioners have found to be helpful. Do you have any other suggestions to share with us that may also help? 
Yeah, thanks, Kristen. I did indeed set out the third space in a podcast, and I'd encourage anyone who's struggling day to day to learn more about their third space and how they can use it to diffuse their stress. Also, we have a dental protection workshop called Building Resilience and Avoiding Burnout that both Simon Parsons and I facilitate, and that would be a really helpful resource for people concerned about their own burnout. You can find the Using Your Third Space Wisely podcast on our channel, and we'll include some links to helpful resources below in the episode notes. Other quick tips include taking care of yourself with good sleep, which may not always be as easy as it sounds, uh, good hydration and managing your blood sugar level and incorporating regular exercise into your routine. So for example, a walk at lunchtime if you can, learning to breathe properly, which is extraordinarily therapeutic and managing your day, respecting your own diurnal rhythms. It's well known that we have a day-night bodily cycle and uh, recently ebbs and flows of our energy within the day itself has been recognised too. If like me you're a morning person then you may well do your best work in the morning so putting the complex procedures first up in your day will give you the greatest chance of success. If you're a night owl can you start your list later and offer the extended after work slot that so many patients are seeking? If you are a permanently exhausted pigeon, well, see point one about taking care of yourself. My point is that yes, there are lots of small progressive steps you can take to manage burnout before it strikes you down. Thanks, Annalene. You mentioned you had a few points to tease out from the definition. What were the others? Well, the best known measure of burnout is called Mashlack's triad, and this is essentially a questionnaire that enables people to assess their individual burnout levels under three headings, emotional exhaustion, an increase in depersonalization, and a decrease in a sense of personal accomplishment. The WHO definition mirrors this in points one and two, and point three highlights that burnout levels lead to decreased professional efficacy. This is incredibly pertinent to dental practices where we are essentially generating procedure-based or product-based income. It doesn't take a great decrease in our procedure output to significantly impact our bottom line. And I'll put some references in the episode notes for those of you who are interested in this research. So I just wanted to highlight that burnout is a genuine thing. Uh, So genuine that it's recognized and classified by the WHO that the WHO definition closely mirrors that of the Mashlack triad plus raises the very pertinent issue of decreased productivity. And finally, that this all relates to stress, which has not been successfully managed. So it's a chronic condition, not simply a bad appointment or a bad day. So where do moral injury and moral distress come into this? And what are they? There are some circumstances or precursors that can feed into or amplify your risk of burnout. Conversely, some states of mind actually serve to be protective against burnout. This can seem to be true when you consider those who volunteer, often in difficult working conditions with limited resources which are vastly upstripped by demand. And yet these practitioners rarely demonstrate burnout. This is reported to be due to their deep-seated sense of calling and alignment of their work to their values and belief systems. Moral distress occurs when we drift away from those values or beliefs and essentially no longer believe that what we're doing is right or worthwhile. To explain this further, think about a class two filling and think about a time when you placed your filling and despite being functional and appropriate, it didn't look as you had hoped. The contact point may have been open or the anatomy poor and in your heart, you really hoped no one else would ever see that filling because it wasn't a reflection of the work you wanted to do and you felt a bit embarrassed and ashamed. That feeling right there is a sense of moral distress. Now fast forward and feel like that about every feeling. 
Can you see how quickly that sense of hopelessness and, well, moral distress would become pervasive? And can you see how that would make you feel? You wouldn't believe that what you were doing was right or worthwhile. It would impact your confidence, your self-esteem and how you feel about dentistry and your dentistry to be specific. And it would be a quick stop on the way to burnout. Moral injury is caused when the environment you're in is preventing you or prohibiting you from providing the care that you know that you could or should. So to give you an example of this, Kristen, if you truly believed that the elderly, for example, deserved the most time and the best care of all patients, and then you worked in an environment where their policy was to offer short appointments with limited treatment options to patients over a certain age, often not permitting you to offer what those patients actually needed and deserved. Can you see how quickly this misalignment with your values would get you down day after day and then start to impact your life. I can see how that would happen. And I'm reflecting now on times in my life when I began to feel this way. I've definitely experienced moral distress during my practicing career. And I know some of my friends have too. We just didn't know that feeling had a name. So what can we do about moral distress, Annalyn? Well, I'd turn this question round, Kristen, and ask you, what did you or your friends do at the time? Well, I have a friend whose journey really stands out to me here, Annalene. I worked at a practice with a colleague who had initially concentrated on their therapy skills in the public sector. When they changed directions and began in a new role that was predominantly hygiene, they found the transition really difficult and struggled with some of the more challenging hygiene patients. They began to really doubt themselves and their abilities, and she was really worried that her patients would experience a poor long-term outcome. So initially, she started referring them all on to the periodontist or to me in the practice, which is why I was aware of her struggles. And that was a reasonable management strategy for care for her patients if she believed she could not provide them with the care and outcomes they deserved. But I know you said initially, so please go on as I suspect you're going to beautifully make the point I wish to raise. Okay, so after a while, she realised that she couldn't keep avoiding periodontal treatment. So she went and did some hands-on courses and improved until she was confident that she could offer good care for her patients. And now she quite enjoys it. We actually went together as she needed the support of a mate and was feeling really nervous and bad about herself. Great. And therein lies the point. She was uncomfortable with an aspect of dentistry, so she worked to improve her skills until she increased her confidence and the predictability of her outcomes. And by doing so, decreased her moral distress and actually increased her comfort of providing the procedure. And also, Kristen, I think it's great you supported her through this process. It takes time to hone and perfect our skills. And I think sometimes we can all lose sight of that. Please remember that all the beautiful work you see on Instagram and Facebook doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, and this isn't a new concept. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell postulates it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert, and this rule, for want of a better word, has been borne out time after time. What about moral injury, Annalene? How do we fix that? In many ways, Kristen, it's got a quicker but harder fix. Um, You can change your environment by getting those within it to invest in and reflect your values back at you and enable you to provide the care you collectively believe in. Or you can change your environment by changing your environment and getting another role. The fact that you may have to leave is a hard truth, but it is a truth nevertheless. So in summary, Annalene, moral distress and moral injury can feature in and feed into burnout. And by managing them, we not only help ourselves, but also our patients. Absolutely, Kristen, because not only are you providing the best care you can in keeping with your beliefs and values, but also burnt out practitioners make mistakes. 
It's been proven that happier practitioners are better practitioners and specifically better diagnosticians. So really that's where we'd all want to be for ourselves and for our staff to be for all manner of selfish and unselfish reasons. Thank you, Annaline, for that relevant and helpful content. And thank you for listening. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like dental protection podcasts and would like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.